Hi there, and God bless you. I'm Brian Hallam. I pray that this message is a blessing to you. Thank you for downloading it, and thank you for following me on Twitter and Instagram and for liking and sharing what we post there. I just want you to know that I believe God wants to do something great in your life and in your family. So as we go into the Word today, let's go in with faith and hope and a high level of expectation for what God is going to do in your life. Love people, point them to Christ. 1 John 4, herein is love, verse 10. 1 John 4 and 10, herein is love, here is love, this is love. What I'm about to say is actually love. Herein is love, this is love. Not that we loved God. Love is not that we loved God, but love is that He loved us first. Love is that He made the choice first and loved us. This is love. Love is not that we loved God, but that God first loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation or the payment or the sacrifice or the atonement for our sins. This is love. This is love. Love is not that somebody loves you first. Love is first loving them. Love is not that we love them first. Love, or excuse me, love is not that they loved us first in our life. Love is that we first love them. The Bible says God is love. The Bible says that love covers a multitude of sin. Love is making the decision to cover the faults of somebody that you have a legal right to have a problem with. In other words, the person who is talking about you is probably the person God's calling you to love. Ow! <laughs> the person that, that, that is the person who drives you the most crazy is probably one of the people in your life that God is calling you to love. You see, God knows the end from the beginning. The devil does not. The devil does not know the end from the beginning or he never would have crucified the Son of the Most High. Because if he had known three days later everything was going to go really bad for him, he would have not killed Jesus. Therefore, you and me have to recognize there are things in our life, God knows the end from the beginning, but the devil does not. But he might have a little, a little, a little picture because he sees like we see through a glass darkly. He might have a little picture of a connection that you're going to have in your life with somebody else that's going to be supernatural because the Bible says you can put a thousand to flight, but if you can get an agreement with somebody, you can put 10,000 to flight. So what happens is, is when you decide to love somebody that has uh, been a little bit of a prickly pear to you, so to speak, when you decide to love somebody, now all of a sudden you are covering any of the issues that could stop that relationship because the most powerful connection that can be made on planet earth is when two believers connect with one another in the spirit and agree on one thing because the Bible says anything that we will touch and agree on we can have. So the devil doesn't know everything about your future, but what he does know is he has little tidbits. He has little breadcrumbs uh, of, what, of what your future might look like. So in my life, I've lived long enough to know that if I don't like somebody and I don't have a good reason, meaning 
They, they're, they're not just like totally, they're not trying to harm my family. They're just, maybe it's a, maybe it's a, their sense of humor is different than my sense of humor. Or maybe they're, uh, maybe they're um, just totally, they, they have idiosyncrasies that don't jive with yours. Here, here's an example. I am not anti-video game, but I don't like video games. And, and I'm not like, I'm not... <laughs> I just heard the most sincere amen I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> amen, brother. So for you and for me, you might like video games. But for me, I'm never going, well, I don't want to say never, but the odds of me wanting to spend a day like yesterday, was, was everybody aware that yesterday was just gorgeous? To spend yesterday staring at a screen you know, playing a, something that's not real when I could be outside playing with something that is real. And I'm not saying anybody's wrong for the other side of it. As a matter of fact, I, I say more power to you. But what I would say is that could be something that you like, a, 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 a taste bud that, that you have that I don't have that could cause me and you to have some friction or to have some kind of something in between us. Now, if the enemy of God, if the devil sees a little bit like we see, through a glass darkly and he sees that there's a potential connection there in the future that could be really really powerful he'll do everything he can to make you not like that person even more and I've lived long enough to know that when I sense that and I don't have a valid reason and when I say valid I mean like they're trying to hurt your family or something like that when I don't have a valid reason it is almost a sure indicator that I need to go above and beyond in that relationship to try to make sure that they know that I love them and God loves them because what happens when you do that now all of a sudden you make available that powerful connection that's in the future that if you write them off, if you decide you're not going to have anything to do with them, now all of a sudden you may be hindering something that God has orchestrated in your future and it could be a bridge that you may never be able to build again. So when we love people, we have to recognize love is not they love me. I don't really care what somebody says about me when they like what I say. I don't really care what somebody says about me when they agree with me. I want to know, how is it when we disagree? My father's not here, so I'll talk about him. <laughs> My dad and me are cut from a very similar cloth. I guess kind of obviously, you know. But I can count on one hand the amount of times we have legitimately disagreed. We are in business together. We've done all sorts of projects and deals together since I've been an adult. Even as a child, uh, he, he taught me how to, how to just really everything. The things that a dad should do, he really did. So for me, uh, the times that we have disagreed, like we don't come to, how do, you, how do I say this without whatever? We don't come to our position without having thought about it. So by the time we've come to a position... We really believe it's right. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't argue about whether or not chocolate cake or, or carrot cake is better because obviously carrot cake is better. Um, that's a joke. I, well, I don't argue about whether or not chocolate cake or vanilla cake is better. I don't care. You're going to like one. I'm going to like one. But if it's two plus two, it equals four. I don't care if you think it's five. 
I don't care if there's some newfangled math that makes you think it's three and a half. It's four. There is a right and there is a wrong, which is one of the reasons I like math so much. Is because most of the time it has a finite answer that you can say is the correct answer, like the Word of God does. So, those things considered, of the three or four times that my father and I have actually disagreed to the bone on something, it's always been something that he was... He really believed that, that his position was accurate. I really believed that my position was accurate. But it never got to the place where he began to talk about me or I began to talk about him because the respect that I have for him supersedes our level of agreement. Does that make sense? I don't know if respect's the right word, but the love that he has for me supersedes whether or not we want whether or not he has to be in complete agreement so it ends up positioning us for success in the future because I can give you 10 examples of people that I personally know that will have no deep conversation with their parent all because a disagreement turned into something bigger than it had to be and it ended up being it making a hostile relationship and when you have a hostile relationship with a believer the odds of you getting an agreement are almost zero and if you don't get an agreement the Bible says that literally you have cut in half or actually made 10%, you've put your power when it comes to getting response from heaven at 10% of what it could be. One puts 1,000 to flight, two put 10,000 to flight. God is not about addition. God is about multiplication. So literally, when we believe God together, now we are more apt to accomplish what God has called us to do. Thereby, uh, this is love. Not that we love God, but that He first loved us and gave His Son as a, sacri- as a, as a propitiation for us. Uh, 11, verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, which He did, we ought also to love one another. We should love one another. Everybody say, we should, we should. love one another. Now, here's the, here's the situation. you got to get an accurate depiction of love because love is defined in our Bible several different times with different facets of its, of its, of its definition. The, the first and most uh, uh, finite, I believe, is 1 John 4.10, that, that love is the fact that God loved us, not that we loved Him, but also 1 Corinthians 13 where it says love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious. Love is not both. Every wedding that has ever existed, they read that verse, okay? So if you've never been to a wedding, you may never have heard that verse. So go to 1 Corinthians 13 when you get home and read it. But that defines love. And love is, in fact, a verb substantially more than it is an emotion. Love is a verb. Love is an action. Love is what you do. If you cuss your wife out and then say, I love you, you are a liar. If you cuss your husband out and then say, I love you, if you still cook good, it's cool. No. (laughs) If you say, I love you, and you cussing him out, you don't love him. Now, you do feel for them. You do have compassion, but love, according to our Bible, is defined as first giving. And then secondly, if I'm not being patient with my husband, I'm not loving my husband. 
I can say I love my husband, but I actually not. If I am envying my wife's friends or, or my wife's, uh, maybe she's in the spotlight more than you or maybe her job, maybe she's going to the top of the heap faster than you are, whatever. If you're envying your wife, if you're envying your spouse, you can say you love them, but you don't really love them according to the Bible because love in the Bible Love is what we do, not exactly how we feel. Somebody give God a hand of praise in the library. So let's just take a couple of examples. The Bible says that Jesus, he came across this lady who was caught in the act of adultery. Literally caught in the act of adultery. They drag her into the street, which means she's probably wearing what she was wearing when she was caught in the act. I'm not sure you could be more embarrassed or humiliated than this lady was. She is at the low, probably the lowest point of her life in this moment. And everybody's about to throw rocks at her and not like pebbles like, you know, at the playground. They're about to throw rocks at her with the intention of killing her with them. They're, they're about to throw rocks at her with the intention of her being killed by what they're about to do. And the bulk of the people there were church people. The bulk of the people there were the religious zealots at the time. And Jesus shows up, and they said to Jesus, because they're always trying to corner him, they said, the law says that we should stone this lady because of what she did. What do you say? And Jesus gets down, and the Bible says he, he, he drags his finger, and he writes in the dirt. And we're not exactly sure what he wrote, but then he covers it up. And he says, whoever is without sin should cast the first stone. And one by one, the men, or, or maybe there were some ladies there, I don't know. But the people who were about to kill this lady in her worst moment of her life began to one by one drop the stones. Until the only person left is her and Jesus. And I think that speaks to our lives as much as anything else. When it's all said and done, there will only be one person next to you whose opinion will really matter. There will only be one person left in the crowd. There will only be one person left in the middle of all the naysayers. And she said to him, or excuse me, he says to her, he said, where did the people who accuse you go? And she said, they're gone. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Neither do I condemn you. For this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he first loved us. You see, the, it's, it's a total mind melt. It's a total shift of a paradigm. Jesus is walking with a big crowd because big crowds always followed him around. And there was this short guy, and uh, he, he wanted to see Jesus, but he couldn't see Jesus for all the people. So what he did, the Bible says, is he went in the direction that Jesus was going, and he climbed up in a tree. You guys might remember the story. The guy's name was Zacchaeus, and he climbed up in a tree, uh, and he, he was in the way that Jesus was, that Jesus was going. Number one, if you want to see God... You go where God is moving. 
If you want to see and experience God, you go to the place where the waters are troubled. So Zacchaeus climbs up in a tree and Jesus comes by and, and everybody's there. And, and Zacchaeus, he had this bad reputation around people because he was like a tax collector. He, he was, he was, he was uh, I mean, you can just say that and a cold chill will go down your spine. You know what I'm saying? But, but literally in that day and age, it wasn't like the IRS now. And if you work for the IRS, God bless you and we love you too. But he was, they, the tax collectors in those days, it was like, you go and get what you could get because the governors or the, the Pontius Pilots, if you will, of the regions, they were going to require from the tax collectors, hey, how much did you bring in? So it was like, man, we, they would just go and they would, they would put a tax or a tariff on almost everything and they would, they would be, they, they hated when a, when, a, when a publican or a tax collector would walk up to a fishing boat because the fisherman knew if that guy wasn't an honest guy, he was going to take all the fish or he was going to leave like five of the fish. It was not a, a real positive uh, profession, at least from our Bible's perspective. So Zacchaeus, the Bible says, he went and got in front of where Jesus was. In other words, he went where he knew Jesus was going. He climbed the tree and he waited. And Jesus walked by and he says, hey, Zacchaeus, you come down. And then he broke into song because I'm going to your house today. <laughs> he said, come down. I'm going to eat dinner at your house today. And Zacchaeus comes down and he starts explaining to him. He goes, I just want you to know, man, I, I tried not to take too much from people and, and I try to be upright about it and everything. And I could just see Jesus because Zacchaeus had represented, had thought about Jesus like he thought about all the church folk he had met. But Jesus was nothing like them. He thought Jesus was coming to condemn him, but he was actually coming in hopes that he through him might be saved. Zacchaeus is going, I, I just got to explain my situation. And Jesus is like, bro, I just want to eat dinner. He says, for this is love. Not that we loved him, but that he first loved us. Jesus was radical about it. Step one, love people. And we could talk about everyone else. But right now, I want to look right smack dab in the mirror. I want to look right smack dab. It's kind of uncomfortable, but whatever. I want to look right in the mirror. Because if we're going to love people, we have to have a basis. The scribes came to Jesus one time in Mark chapter 12, and they said this. They said, what are the greatest two, what is the, well, in different areas, they ask it kind of differently. But they wanted to know what's the most important thing we can do. And Jesus said, it's simple. He said, you love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And the scribes are like, yeah, I got that. Love God. You bet. He said, but the second is likened unto the first. You love your neighbor as yourself. You love your neighbor as yourself. So here's where we have to set our basis. If you're going to love people well, you've got to have an understanding of who you are because how you love yourself is how you will eventually love others. We're driving down the road. 
1969 F100 Ford pickup truck with three on the tree. The tailgate kind of rattles a little bit. I used to have a truck like this. Tailgate kind of rattles a little bit. Old country road. We got trees on each side. Something hits the side of the truck real loud. There's a pasture on the right. It's got deer in it. You're from East Texas and you still don't pull over and shoot them. On the left, there's another field with some horses and a red barn. And you're driving down the road. And it's a pretty straight road. But you have to constantly adjust. And the reason you have to constantly adjust is because on each side of the road, there is a ditch. The ditch does not move, but more cars end up in the ditch than you could imagine. The closer you get to one side, the more risky it becomes that you might fall into that ditch. The closer you get to the other side, the more risky it becomes that you might fall in that ditch. So if you're going to love people like you love yourself, you have to keep it between the ditches. In other words, on one side of the ditch, on one side of the road is a ditch that is arrogant and haughty and angry and you can't be talked to and nobody's going to get over on me. I tell you this, they might talk like that to so-and-so, but they better not talk to me like that. And you begin to think of yourself as something that should be respected at a level that puts the, the onus of whether or not you love somebody on how they respond to you when the reality is, for this is love, not that they first loved us, but if we're going to be like our Father, we first love them. That's one ditch. The other ditch is, oh, I'm just an old busted sinner. There's nothing good about me. My daddy was a drunk. My grandpa was a drunk. My great-grandpa was a drunk. And therefore, I'm a drunk. I, I'll never get ahead. I've always been behind. Everybody's against me. Nobody should even think about me. Nobody should even give any consideration to who I am. I'm just so far. Nobody, you know, woe is me, Eeyore. Haughty is wrong, but forgetting that you're the righteousness of God in Christ is not right. Forgetting that you're a new creation. If God set, shed the blood of His only Son, if that's what He thinks of us, how can we live in a ditch that says we have no worth and we have no value? How can we live in a ditch that says, I'm not good enough, I'll never be good enough, when God says, I have made you the head and not the tail, you are blessed coming in and blessed going out? You see, the issue is this. If you're going to love other people like God told us to love other people, you got to first, 
others figure out who you are because how you think about yourself is how you will think about other people. And if you see yourself as a hopeless case that has no opportunity, you will walk through life looking around and you won't minister, you won't evangelize, you won't tell them about Jesus because you'll be looking at them like you look at yourself, which is they're hopeless, they're worthless, they'll never make it when the reality is is the same God who did it for you will do it for them. The same God who changed your life will change their life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That's for you and that's for me. But then the Bible says that the first commandment is we've got to love God with everything we've got. But then we've got to love people like we love ourselves. So if we're going to love people like we love ourselves, we better love ourselves accurately. We better find a way to love ourselves. You say, well, are you telling me it's all about me and it's all about us? Absolutely not. That's the other ditch. The minute you get in the other ditch, you're stuck. You don't go anywhere else. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. It's a constant adjustment. Let me show you something. When I had that 1969 F100 pickup truck step side three on the tree with a clutch that just slipped enough to make everything rattle real good, when you would drive that thing, you had to drive like this. Because it had so much slack in the steering, but you still, you just had to be adjusting all the time or you would fall in one or the other. Our life is a consistent, should be a consistent adjustment happening all the time. That I, I'm not trying to be haughty, Lord, but I know I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm not trying to be, oh, pitiful me, but I do want to humble myself in the sight of the Lord because He will lift me up. I'm not trying to be so arrogant that I think that I have it all figured out, but I do know that He gave me the mind of Christ, so I'm not a babe in the woods. I'm not trying to be so, the woe is me, that everybody feels sorry for me, but I'm also not trying to be the other side as well. You see... If we are going to love people, then we have to love people like God says. And God says we'll love them like we love ourselves. Give God a big hand of praise. Step two. Everybody say step two. We're going to point them to Christ. Everybody just take a big breath. Go, ah. You can relax. He didn't call you to save the world. He just called you to be an ambassador for the Savior of the world. I, I remember when I first when we first started the church. You know, you hear about all these problems. Like, man, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this. And, and and one of my friends who's a pastor has been doing it a long time. He said to me, he "Goes he said, bro, you're not God." which was a total shock to me. <laughs> he said, you're not God. And I'm like, Psh, I know. And he goes, well, let God be God. When you got a problem, doesn't God help you? I said, yeah. He said, you can't fix everything. He said, what will God be doing all day? I thought, oh, man. Our job is to love people and to point them to Christ. There'll be times when you'll help people. 
physically, in the natural, 100%. And you should. That's a good thing. But if you try to bear the weight of the one, the Bible says the government was upon his shoulders. So if we try to bear the weight that was designed and only capable to be carried by the one and only Son of God, what will happen is, is we will fall short of reaching the end of our race because you can't carry a load you're not designed to carry to the finish line. And if you do, you'll get there late. Run a mile, and then run a mile with 50 pounds on your back. You'll never get there at the same pace because you weren't designed to run with 50 pounds on your back. It's a shift where our job is simple. We love people. We first love them. And then we get real good at pointing them to Christ. One of my favorites in the Bible is probably John the Baptist. And the Bible says... So John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin. And, and Jesus' cousin, he was, he was this, this awesome preacher that, that wore super cool clothes and, and, and he ate just crazy stuff. But, but he would always talk about, whenever you read about his sermons or what he would say to his disciples or the ones around, he was, he was never talking about, look at what I'm doing, look at what I did, look at this. He was always saying, guys, yeah, this is cool. There is a crowd of people, but there's one coming after me. I, I'm not even, I, I'm not even, I, if he asked me to tie his shoes, I, I wouldn't feel worthy to do that. If he asked me to tie his shoes, I just, I wouldn't feel even almost like I should be the one to have the honor of tying his shoes. And then the Bible says he was doing what he did. He was baptizing people. He was preaching a wonderful, powerful message. Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. He, bah, he baptized. Repent of your sins. Repent means to turn away from. So if you say yes to Jesus, your next step is to turn away from what you know is incorrect and start doing what you know is correct. To know what is right and to not do it to him that is sin, says the Bible. So John the Baptist baptized people. Pow. Repent, the kingdom of God is in. Pow. There's a guy coming. I'm not even, I can't, I'm not even sure if I'm worthy to tie his shoes. And then one day, Jesus comes walking down the riverbank. I got cousins. There's something about a cousin. Seems like even when you haven't seen them for a while, you immediately connect. You know what I'm saying? Jesus is walking down the riverbank. I bet John's just sitting there thinking, I hope his shoe's not untied. Because who could tie it? John looks with all eyes on him. That's how I feel most of the time. All eyes on him, he says. Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. I've been telling y'all to turn from your sins and you need to 
but there's the one who's going to take them away. Could you imagine the disciples that had been following John? We're following you. Are you saying follow him? I'm saying follow me as I follow him, but that's the one. I was walking into a store the other day, and these two guys walked by me, real rough characters. And the Spirit of the Lord told me to go talk to them. And this had happened like four times already that day. So I was like, Lord, I'm trying to get this stuff and I'm trying to get home. So how about you send somebody else? And I take like two more steps. And I'm like, you know I was kidding about that, right? I'll go talk to them. <laughs> Now I turn around, and these guys are so rough. I'm talking rough, okay? Like, I mean, you guys think I'm tough, obviously, but these guys, these guys are rough as cobs. And I walk over to their truck. Their truck looks like the truck that you would think their truck would look like. It's got tools everywhere. It's just, just busted and hard. And I walk up. I'm like, what's up, guys? This one guy has his shirt off. I don't care if anybody has tattoos, that's their business. This guy didn't have any skin left. It was just tattoo. <laughs> and I'm like, so I take my shirt off. No. <laughs> so he's got his shirt off. I'm like, what's up, guys? And the guy looks at me like, I'm about to pull your face off. And I was like, how's it going? The other guy turns around, and they both look at me almost in unison, and they're like, what's up? And I said, the Spirit of the Lord told me to come talk to you. What's your feelings on Jesus? And all of a sudden, in a millisecond, all of the whatever was between us shattered. The guy put his shirt on. This one guy says, I was raised in church, man. Been a long time for me. I said, I'll never forget when I realized that God thought so highly of me that he sent somebody specifically to talk to me. So I don't know everything you're going through, but I do know some of it. And everybody who hurt you was not a good representation of Christ because he would never do that. And the guy grabs the side of his truck and he just hangs his head like this. And I realize he's really trying not to be emotional. I didn't want to take him to that place in the middle of the parking lot because it was getting hot. So I look at the next guy and I said... What about you? Yeah. I feel like he feels right now. I said, well, here's the deal. I said, I, I'm, I'm Brian. Jesus really changed my life. I felt like you guys feel right now. And somehow or another, he just made it better. And when those feelings try to come back, he just soothes them. And I said, what I would like to do if you guys are open to it is I would like to pray for you now. And when I do, 
I'm believing, God, that the love that you felt as a child and the love that you've been longing for would invade who you are in the middle of this parking lot. Now it's getting awkward because there's people driving up, so I'm like having to like get out of the way of their car doors opening and stuff. But these guys are laser-focused on me. Laser-focused. I feel like John the Baptist. Repent! The kingdom of God is at hand. And at that moment, it would have been possible to be like, you know, I'm a pretty good preacher. But if they rely on me, I will fail them at some point. But if I can just go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And just almost like it's taking a mirror and just reflecting up, trying to get that right angle. It's him, right? He will change everything. And they're like, yeah, yeah. So I said, what would you like to pray for? And he's like, I probably shouldn't say. Some of it might be embarrassing. He said, whatever. The other one, this, that, or the other. Then the Lord gave me, just like he'll do for you, he gave me some, some real precise things to say. We prayed, and both of them were just shaking like leaves. And I said, man, never forget that God stopped me on the way into this store just to come talk to you. I said, and if he would do that, I said, think of what else he could do with your life. And both of them are just like, man. So now, I don't know what they were doing, but now they're walking in the store. So I was really hoping that would be like the end of the conversation and I could just go and we could all high five and see you later. So now they're walking with me. And we walk in the store and the whole time we're walking, they're asking me questions. What about this? What about this? What about this? And I got to thinking about it. I said, man, I said, I could give you the Hebrew and the Greek. But the answer is Jesus. The answer is he really will. The answer is the way he'll do it. So here's the situation. You're not the Savior. He is. Take a load off, love somebody, and just point them to Christ. Jesus comes to John, and he's like, hey, John, you know, what, uh, what's up, bro? And, and, and John's like, what do you mean, what's up? You're the Savior of the world. He goes, yeah, I'm here to be baptized. And John's like, I can't baptize you. I need you to baptize me. And Jesus goes, come on, cuz. <laughs> he puts him in the water. And he pulls him up. Baptism is a very supernatural event. It just looks like water. But what happens is, is when you go down, you are buried with him in his death. And you are raised to walk in newness of life. He comes up. And all of a sudden, the Father speaks from heaven. And I wonder if it sounded like thunder or a still small voice. He said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The Spirit of God comes down in the form of a dove, rests on Jesus, and all of a sudden his entire ministry is supercharged and activated. When you decide to love people and point them to Christ, you become a player in the greatest, of, in the greatest series 
of events that will ever take place in all of humanity. The changing of somebody's entire eternity. Stand to your feet, please. Please bow your head and close your eyes. If you're here today and you're not right with God, we want to pray for you. In just a minute, we're going to have some baptisms, but we want to pray for you. If you're here and you're not right with God, and you want to be, you say, I'm not living right, I'm not doing right, Jesus is not Lord of my life. When I count to three, just lift your hand. And with an uplifted hand, you're saying, oh, God, remember me. Maybe you'd say it differently. You said, I used to walk strong with God, but I'm backslidden. I'm like the prodigal son, and I want to come home. If that's you, when I count to three, lift your hand. One, two, three, lift your hand. Is there anyone here? That's wonderful. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this word. I thank you for the opportunity to serve you. I thank you that you teach us to love people and to point them to who you are. I thank you, God, for opening the windows of heaven truly over our life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Give God a big hand of praise. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info and be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.